Welcome back to the Andrew Roman Show. I'm so glad that you tuned in. Thank you for plugging in those headphones. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, thank you so much for listening. And if you haven't already, we do have a YouTube channel that you can subscribe to. We're, our goal is to hit 200 subscribers. We're getting closer every single week, so I'm extremely thankful. But if you're watching on YouTube, thank you for watching. Hit that like button, that subscribe button, and that notification button. A lot of things to do. But all that to say, thank you so much. Welcome to yet another episode Guys, we have been talking about a lot of things now. This is episode 76, I believe. Imagine when we get to episode 100. This has been quite the journey, hasn't it? And if this is your first time listening to this show, and you're like, well, what does this guy go rambling about? A lot of things. I, I You see, I, I talk a lot about a lot of things. I got inspired. I watched a Black Widow uh, this weekend, and I got inspired. I talk about family back together again, you know? So we should probably do a whole episode like this. What do you think? Annoying or uh, pretty entertaining? I don't know. Well, I, I, I will begin. Today is a good episode because you see, family, to my right, I don't have a mug today. Sad day. Sad, tragic day in, you know, in Russia. is not good. We say, uh, we say, um, Don Vanjar. I totally made that up, by the way. I don't speak Russian. One day, though, one day I will speak Russian. So, you know, we are going to talk about something that is super important. It is compromise. Now, I feel like people are, might get annoyed at me for continuing that accent. But anyways, yes, I did watch Black Widow. Did, you, did y'all watch Black Widow last week? Man, oh my gosh. It was really, really good. I mean, I'm happy to have Marvel movies back because I love, I've been loving the, the Marvel TV series, at least most of them. Um, but there's just something about a good old Marvel movie that is fantastic. That being said, let's go back into the episode. So yes, today I don't have a mug, a new mug to show me, which reminds me, if you have a favorite mug that you really like, you can send that over to me. Not the actual mug, but just a picture of it with the story behind it, and I will show it here on the show. We've shown different ones from, I think it was a Mario Bros. one, uh, and, and then there was like a, an actual like toilet-looking mug. It was Really, really funny. Uh, but today, I have a, a book here with me that I wanted to promote. Um, I'm not sponsored or anything like that, but I do think that leaders make great leaders. No, no, wait, wait, wait. Dang it, I didn't get that right. Uh, maybe in Russian, I'll get it right. Uh, there is a saying, readers make good leaders. You see, when one reads, they say knowledge is power. So what happens when you have all knowledge? You have all power. Think about that. All right. I hope you got that that wisdom from our nice uh, Russian friend. But I do have a book here I wanted to kind of share with you. I, I hinted at it last episode, but I realized I never actually got to it. Last episode, we talked about why America is great, the different dates that... Um, culture talks about like 1619, and then of course we celebrate, you know, 1776, July 4th, but also 1789 with the French Revolution. And there's this great book called The Magna Carta of Humanity. I'm still reading it. It is quite quite a read. It doesn't look that thick, but the words are the words are small, and it is a very intellectual book. Like I have to read a couple paragraphs and then reread those paragraphs again to really understand. But this book really goes down into understanding uh, what what the author says, what the Sinai revolution really, really was, because that is a revolution that actually defined the Western ideals and defines what freedom looks like from now and 
now on and something worth protecting. So if you're really interested, you should definitely go check out this book. You know, we might start a new tradition as well as the mugs and maybe good books uh, that, I, that I've read that maybe I can, um, yeah, I can encourage you and recommend them to you. So I want to ask you a question. Have you heard the word compromise before? I guess it's not a noun, it's more like a verb, right? Like to compromise. And usually when I when I hear the word compromise, it's usually said about values. It's, you know, your principles. Don't compromise on what you know is right. And that's what we're taught, at least if you're taught like in a healthy home, you're said, hey, don't compromise on things that you know are correct. Don't compromise on your values. But what really is the definition of compromising? Because it, it sounds like such a severe word. Like, remember the episode when we talked about pleasing God and we're like, man, pleasing sounds like a British word back in the 1600s. Gentlemen, listen. All who go as human beings. No, it sounds more like a Scottish one. Ladies and gentlemen, if I may have your ears for a minute or two, we've got one purpose here on earth. That is to please God. I don't know. It sounds like that, right? It sounds like an old word. Well, that's kind of how, at least for me, compromise sounds. Such like such a severe word. You know, when we hear such words, we're we're tempted we're tempted to automatically assume it's not for us. Like, come on, I'm not compromising. Like, I I know what's right, and I'm not going to compromise on what's not right, and and, and all this. I'm good. An extreme example, for example, would be like adultery. That individual who committed adultery definitely compromised. Uh, his sexual purity, right? Because another way that it's used, the word compromise is whenever you give up something for like an agreement. Sometimes you do have to compromise on on not values or or personal you know beliefs, but maybe on preferences. Maybe you have to compromise on the things that you want for the things that you really need. For example, maybe in a relationship, you guys keep butting heads over where to go eat and you want pizza, but brah, she really likes sushi. You some somebody got to give, somebody's got to bend, somebody's got to compromise on some preferences. But other than that, really, in other than the extreme examples that I gave and the values that you you believe in, that's a, about as much as I've ever heard the word compromise. Well, today's episode is called "The Danger of Compromise." Why? Because when we hear the word compromise, we expect it to be such a drastic compromise of values, right? Like adultery or, or, or something like that. But you have to understand that compromise is not necessarily going 100% against what you believe. Yes, that is compromise, but it's not all. Compromising is going just a little bit under what you know to be right. I'm going to say this again. Compromising is, a, is just going a little bit under of what you know is right. It's, it's just a little bit, just a little bit. And, and I don't think we really realize how much a little can do. Actually, we talked about this in an earlier episode several, several seasons ago. Well, it was called In Less Than Five Minutes. If you haven't checked out that episode, you got to check it out. Absolutely. Where, where we talked about two thieves that, that robbed the Green Vault. Now, what is a Green Vault? It is a museum in Dresden, Germany that holds the most treasures and jewelry than any other place in Europe. And two men stole a worth of more than 1 billion euros. That's right, worth of 1 
billion euros worth of jewelry. You know how fast they stole it? In less than five minutes. I promise you, it's a real story. Look it up. In less than five minutes, the alarm went off and they were gone, stealing more than one billion worth of jewelry. So we talked about really how, you know, little things can really affect much. You know, we said how you, you might feel that you're not compromising on your sexual purity as an example, but you're kind of being, eh, you're being flexible on, well, you're, you're not looking at pornography, but you also are kind of playing with fire with a couple images here, or you're, talk to, you're talking with that friend that you know is a toxic relationship and you shouldn't be in again, but there you go talking, you're like, well, I'm not going to compromise. But rem remember that compromising is just going a little bit under of what you know is right. So today we are going to talk about the danger of compromising because we have to understand that there's one way that we can also compromise, not necessarily in our actions. Because yes, God cares about our actions. He does. But he also cares about our hearts. I'm going to say that again. God cares about our actions. More importantly, he cares about our hearts because our hearts determine our actions. See, a lot of times religion without a relationship with God is about cleaning yourself up from the outside, isn't it? It's about don't do this, do this, look this way, do that, you know? Just clean yourself up when you go to church. Make sure, you know, you're quote-unquote having a good and living a good life. But inside, we're still trash without Jesus. We're still trash without his redemptive and restore. Uh, Restorative? I know it's in Russian. In Russian, it's called a restorative power. I don't know if that's how you say it. Well, his restoration power. Because without that, we're still trash. Because we have to understand that the heart is showed through the attitude. So a lot of times when people talk about compromise, it's usually with actions. Like, hey, don't do the wrong thing or don't do this and don't... Don't compromise on what you know is right with your actions. But what about our attitude? Can you compromise with your attitude? Because that's where I believe the real danger is. Because God cares about our heart, and our, and our heart is shown through our attitude. So how do we compromise in our attitude? Well, first we have to understand this. It's the same way that with actions as Christians, and we know that we shouldn't sin, and when we sin, we're compromising on what we know to be right. Well, God cares about our actions, but he also cares about your attitude. God doesn't just want to change what you do, but he also wants to change the way you do them and why you do them. I'm going to say that again. A lot of times we don't, I don't know if we fully realize that God actually cares about, about our, our attitude. Do, have you ever, okay, let me give you this example. Maybe growing up, you were just like me that you had a, either a mom, a dad. I have thankfully had two parents in my, in my household. And growing up, you know, they would ask you to clean your room. Andrew, go clean your room. And man, if you had one bad attitude, bro, here's the one number thing. If, hey, if you're young right now, listen to me. This is going to save you a lot of spankings. Don't ever, don't ever Slam that door. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Andrew, go to your room and clean your room. And then if I, you just hear the stumps, doom, doom, doom. Man, if I, if I slam that door, bro, 
Bro, I just remember slamming that door in like instant regret. That very moment, I was just regretting every decision that I've ever made in my life that I've, it's just been bad. And I just, I start sweating. And I remember at times when I would slam it and then open it right away. And I'm like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I didn't want to slam it. Why? Because our parents understood our attitudes, right? They said, look, I don't care about what you do is the way you do it. Make sure you do it with what? A good attitude. Okay. Parents sometimes can give us a hard time about that. But I think it's with reason because God actually does care about your attitude. You see, being a Christian is not just about acting in the way that honors God. That's true. But it's about our heart also being in the way that honors God. And how does our heart honor God? It's through our attitude. See, we have to understand that if God is in your life, then your attitude should show it. I'm going to ask you, I'm going to tell you again. If God is in your life, then your attitude should show it. You don't believe me? Let's read some scripture. Philippians chapter 2, verse 4. Really important. Let's spend some time here. It says this, Do all things without grumbling or questioning, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. Okay, I don't know if you've read the scripture before. I definitely have. And you kind of just read it in passing. Do all things without grumbling. Mm, yeah, that sounds good. Next day, hey, can you do this? Oh my gosh. Are you kidding me? Oh, I did this yesterday. Dude, I, I just cleaned the kitchen. It's not my turn. Oh my gosh. How many of us have been like that? Okay, sounds a little childish. But now think about you're a young adult like me. You've maybe finished college and all that. How many things do we really do without grumbling or complaining? Probably not many, right? At least you add that. Mm, if you didn't see that, smack. Is I I did the eye roll in the smack. Oh gosh, you know you know exactly what I'm talking about. So how many times you do that? You lying. You lie. I I know you lie. Come on, you you know you do that a little bit more. Hey, can you do this? Okay, yeah, sure. It probably sounds gross now. But yeah, the whole point is our attitude is super, super important. God actually tells us something that is an attitude thing. Do all things without grumbling. Listen to this. This is the attitude part because he's not just saying do all things how, however you'd like. As long as you do them, it's okay. As long as you serve, it's okay. As long as you give, it's okay. As long as you call yourself a Christian and you can do whatever you want, that's totally fine. But your attitude doesn't matter. You you be you, boo, whatever you think, whoever you think you are, do it the way that you are. No, that's not what it says. It actually gives us a order, really. It gives us a commandment of what we have to do. Things without grumbling or questioning that we may be blameless and innocent. Here's another scripture I'll share with you. I love this. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 2 through 3 says this. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with one another, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourself united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. I want to read the first part. Always be humble and gentle. You know what those two things are? Attitudes, bruh. That's right. Being gentle. Being gentle comes with what you do, but it's also an attitude. Being humble is an attitude. Being patient is super important with your attitude. If you are a Christian, you should be able to tell by your attitude. But how many of us 
we say we got Jesus in our lives. We say we love Jesus, but our attitude is like anybody else. We get mad easily. We're not humble. We're prideful. We're definitely not gentle with people. We don't make allowance for anyone's faults. We always call out people. We always call out their mistakes. We always make sure everyone knows when you messed up because we're good at that sometimes, right? We're good at sometimes, well, I don't put people down, but you definitely call out every time they mess up. You know, (laughs) I, I remember this time when we were younger, my brothers and I, there's this joke that we have. Um, it's if, you, if you're familiar with Pastor Robert Morris, we absolutely love his church. We love his teachings. And he had this teaching, I think it's called The Blessed Life. And we were watching it in Spanish, so it was dubbed in Spanish, right? And the guy who was doing the translation of it, his voice, I can kind of imitate it pretty well, was kind of like this. El dinero es de Dios. Así hablaba el que traducía. This is how he talked. So like, you know, Pastor Robert would be saying, why? I, I can't I can't even say Pastor Robert. He's more a pretty uh, sometimes Southerner words like why and, and why and things like that. But anyways, he's like, you know, he says things like, you should give your tenth and your tithe because money belongs to God. And that's just one way of giving back to him. And, and if you give 10% to him, the 90% will be blessed. You know, something like that. And the translation would be like, if you give the 10% to him, the 90 will be blessed. But there's a part where Pastor Robert uh, shares a story of when he was in camp. And in camp, they were doing this kind of symbolism thing where you would light a little candle on, on a little boat and kind of just let it sail of you down the little river as a way of saying, God, I love it. I, I forgot what the ritual was, so don't quote me on it. But the whole point was that his boat kind of caught the stream and, all, and it sunk. And there was always that one kid who had to point it out, right? He's like, look, look, Robert's boat sunk. Look, Robert, look, everyone, Robert's boat sunk. And he kind of made him feel bad. In Spanish, it went kind of like this. Mira, mira, el, el barco de Robert se hundió. Entonces yo dije, muchas gracias, comentarista. And someone like that is called a commentator, right? How many of us have people like that in our lives? Or they're so great at commentating. They're so great at pointing out someone else's fault. Or maybe it's us. Maybe you've realized that you don't encourage people that much, but you're good at pointing out people's faults. You see, here's the honest truth, guys. We got to get over ourselves. Being a Christian means picking up your cross and dying to yourself. It means you put other people's needs first. It's not easy. I've, I'll be honest with you. I've been needing to live this out this week. This week hasn't really been easy. It's been kind of very busy at work, and sometimes it can be stressful. And we have some some close people of ours that are not you know feeling too well, and 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 I, and there are moments when people need my help, and I and I think to myself, oh my gosh, me again? Why do you need my help? Have you ever wondered that, bro? Why me? But then it dawned on me, Andrew. Why not you? Who else? It could be him, but why him? Why your brother? Why, why someone else? Why not you? Why don't you just get over yourself? A lot of people have a way worse life than you. I think we can be grateful. We can make allowance for each other's faults. There is an attitude of being a Christian. There is. A lot of us were like, well, this is just how we're, we're, we're made. I'm not talking about like personality types, whether you're, talk, you're more talkative or you're less talkative. Look, God made us all unique and you have people like Moses, right? A, uh, not a, let's just say not a, very much of a sanguine leader or 
you know, extroverted leader. He was more introverted and look at what an amazing man of God he was. So we're not talking about that, but we're talking about these, these attitudes that we carry with us. Oh, I'm just grumpy. I'm just, I just get moody often when I don't eat. I, I get that, but should you? I mean, look, if you want to live that way, that's totally fine. But as a Christian, I need to see that the joy of the Lord is in your life. You know, we got people who have a, I'm not going to say it, but, you know, in culture, they call it the B face. And it's just a face that, man, they look mean or they look like they just want to go to bed or something like that. People are like, oh, well, I just have that face. Well, I mean, if you got the joy of the Lord on you, you shouldn't. I mean, it, it, it is as it's not about being legalistic and you got to smile this many times a day and you got to say hi. No, it's not about that. But there should be evidence. There should be what fruit. This is something I love about being a Christian. Is being a Christian is about having fruit in your life that shows that you're a Christian. It's not just mere talk. You got to walk this out. And you can't just say, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian and I can act however I want or I can just be moody, grumpy. And all that. I get we have our days, but it shouldn't last. Like you should not be a grumpy person if you really have given your life to Jesus and you have allowed yourself to be transformed by him. Because God can, in fact, transform you. Maybe you feel like, look, Andrew, I just struggle, man. I'm, I'm a really grumpy person. Like I, when I get up in the morning, man, no one should talk to me. I get that some people get up happier than others. That's fine, dude. But you got to be able to get on your knees, submit that to the Lord, receive the joy of the Lord, and go out there and stop thinking about yourself and start serving others. That's what's been really dawning on me. And the reason I did this episode is because how many times do we compromise on our attitude? Do we actually go less than what we should be with our attitude? Do we say, yeah, I, it says something about the joy of the Lord or or love, patience, peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. I don't know. That just sounds overwhelming, man. I, I can't do that. But God loves me anyway, so I probably don't have to do that. Yes, God loves you. Are you going to heaven? Yes, you are. It's not about your salvation. But the Bible does talk about working out your salvation, not working for your salvation because it's not paid by you. It's paid by Jesus. what Jesus did. So it's not about that, but it's working out your salvation. That means that there must be fruit of your salvation. So yes, does God love you? Yes. Are you going to heaven? Sure, absolutely. I mean, great. But you're still here. Life ain't all about you. Like, what if the only Bible people read or the only the only chance they get to really knowing God is through you? It's through your attitude, the way that you treat people. That's, that's a big responsibility. But I think that's one we can all have. I don't know. I want to see if you enter this challenge with me. I'll be honest with you. It's been a hard week, like I said. And sometimes I can get up, and if for just some weird reason, I'm moody, dude. Anybody else? Like, I'm, I, it happened the other day. I was making breakfast, cracking them eggs. I did four eggs with a little bit of cheddar cheese on top, two pieces of toast, spread with butter. This is how we do it in Russia. So, I did it. I was feeling like, okay. And then my dad came over and he's like, hey, can you get me some? Like, can you make me some? And for some reason, that got me moody. Anybody else do that? Like when you're making your food and someone else is like, hey, like last, it always happens. Last minute, right? They're like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I forgot to tell you. Can I have some food? And you're like, bro, you get, you get annoyed. I'm just talking about practical scenarios here. And and I just got a little bit annoyed and kind of like, uh, I smacked my lip. 
Sure. But then I was like, wait, whoa, 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 Andrew, hold up. We ain't going to cut you some slack about this. Like, are you not a Christian? Are you not a child of God who should have the joy? What really is a big deal of cracking a couple more eggs for your dad? It ain't a big deal. That's my point. So think about your life as I'm giving examples of mine. How many times have you given yourself slack? Have you compromised on your attitude because you said, well, that's just the way I am? The question is, is that the way you should be? Because with God, it's not just staying where you are. God loves you where you are. He forgives you. He restores you. But he loves you too much to leave you the same way that he found you. But he needs your participation. So let's get our actions right. But this week, let's practice on getting our heart right and changing our attitude to really reflect Christ's heart. We'll see you in the next episode of The Andrew Ramon Show.